keeps you in stride for five years. Because <laughs> if you stopped drinking, doing the course five years ago, why, why are you still there? I'm still there because it gives back to me. You know, I'm there giving encouragement, but in reality, it's giving back to me. Welcome to the 1000 Days Sober Podcast. My name is Lee Davey. I am not an alcoholic. I refuse to be anonymous. I am someone that doesn't drink alcohol. And I spend every wicked moment of my life helping other people do the same. Like right now. Today, my guest is Anna Welch. Anna has been with Strive uh, for nearly five years, right? Five years. That's a long time, right? And I'm really proud of that. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to get Anna on the show is to show you, I mean, there's, there's people here that have been probably listening to me for uh, seven, eight years now on this podcast, right? Um, they still don't understand what Strive is all about, okay? So this is our podcast. This is where we um, share our ideas around the truth about alcohol. We bring guests on to help you to understand that truth and, most importantly, to learn to live more consciously without alcohol in our lives, right? And you hear all that on the podcast. But what the vast majority of you don't see is the work that goes on behind the scenes in the coaching and the camaraderie and the community of Strive um, that is really making a difference in embodying this kind of information, this knowledge and this understanding of uh, just how powerful we all are. Like each and every single one of us has that innate wisdom within us, what we call self. And we're just not used to tapping into it. We're just not used to spending our time in that version of who we are, the very essence of who we are. Um, We're actually programmed and designed by culture to spend most of our time in our ego, driven by the different parts of our sub-personalities that inevitably use dysfunctional habits and behaviors just to keep us safe, right? And Anna is a really great example of somebody who came to Strive over five years ago, a real kind of shell of who she really is, right? Um, Really struggling with alcohol, struggling um, in relationships, struggling at times with her relationship with God, um, and being able to use God actually uh, to help her find myself and to find strife and to really make a difference. Uh, today we call our workshop the Strive Method. Back then it was called the Truth About Alcohol. Uh, Anna, um, like most people, and this is another sounding call to everybody, I, I guess, Anna was very reluctant to take that course. Uh, why? <laughs> why is that? When we're, When we're thinking about making a change in our lives and thinking about changing our relationship with alcohol. Why are we so afraid then to take a course? Well, it's because there's a part of us that really wants to drink. There's a part of us that is terrified that if we remove alcohol from our lives, then that part will not be able to keep us safe, that we will have to feel uh, anxiety, fear, overwhelm, that we will have to confront our demons, that we will have to uh, get over our trauma, that we will have to go to therapy or have some coaching. We will have to step up and speak to our partner and express what we need in our relationship and where our needs are not being met. And as me and Anna talk, it's very easy for us to stop drinking alcohol. And that's why most of the industry focuses on these um, instant gratification, 
you know, quit drinking very quickly. We're in January right now, right? Everybody's going to do dry January, right? Yeah, let's not stop drinking for, for a month. And that's great. Um, but, you know, beneath that is a lot of work that won't get done throughout dry January, which is um, that the key work of understanding who we really are, understanding who we really are, how we feel, uh, what we need in life, um, and, fa- and, and just a, an understanding and some reflection on, hang on a minute, I am actually going through life here with the handbrake applied. What would happen if I took that handbrake off? And, and Stride is that community to allow you to take your handbrake off, right? Um, and that is why Anna has been with us for five years, because we, we're not in the aftercare business because we look at life differently. Uh, we look at life as that every single day we care. You know, every single day, myself and my other strivers, we are all growing and evolving in a little bit, learning off each other, and most importantly, leading each other to the most incredible change, right? We are becoming better parents. We are becoming better sons and daughters, better siblings, better friends, better partners, um, better all-around human beings because we're learning to spend more time living in self, less time living in our parts. We're learning to love our parts, you know, and integrate the whole into this wonderful, beautiful family that you can look in the mirror and you can be really proud of that it is you, right? So if you want to be seen, if you want to be heard, and if you want to matter, then come to Strive and learn what life is like after alcohol has been booted out of your life, okay? So without further ado, I'll shut the hell up and leave you in the capable hands of the beautiful Anna Welch. Anna, 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 how are you doing? You look beautiful, by the way. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, when I reached out to you earlier, I was had just gotten up and I thought, man, I better <laughs> get this computer stuff situated before we come on. So, yeah. Yeah, well, you did it. You're very well prepared. I like it. Um, Anna, just, just start by um, letting... You know, the, the people who are listening to this, um, where you're from and how, how do talk about your early experiences with alcohol and the culture in where you grew up. Okay. Well, I'm Anna Welch and I'm from Tulsa, Oklahoma. And um, I grew up in a culture where it was very normal to drink. Um, you know, when you're little, you don't, know better. So what's going on around you, your environment is just normal, right? So I didn't know till much later in adult life when I started processing um, things in my life from a child that I realized that my dad was an alcoholic. And um, I never thought or saw him that way. Never did I ever think that he was an alcoholic. So, uh, yeah, so I started drinking at a real young age, Lee. You know how um, your kids and your, uh, I remember, I think I remember my first drink was on a dare, a cousin. We were at, I think it was Easter, Easter Sunday and family and kids were all together at a lake. And a cousin said, hey, I'm going to go steal a beer and I dare you to take a sip. And I said, sure. And it wasn't just me. It was my cousin Jerry and others. And I don't remember who, but I learned, I noticed this. I did notice that when I was a teenager and I would drink with friends, always in hiding, right? Uh, I noticed that I 
they drank and um, to just get a buzz, and I never was satisfied. I always drank to get drunk. I, I did notice that when mm-hmm. I was a teen, and and I questioned it, but I never, you know, talked to anybody about it. Um, I just kept going on. So, <laughs> does that kind of answer your question? Sorry. Well, yeah. I mean, it 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 brings up some interesting points. I mean, you talk about how you would never, growing up with your father, you would never look at him and think he would fit society's definition of an alcoholic. And then much later when you think about it, it's like, oh, yeah, okay, I can see signs there that there's a dependency issue. You know, if you would have approached him at the time and uh, and uh, let him know how you were thinking, would he have argued against it, do you think? Uh, my dad was a very different individual. Um, you know, I grew up in an era where we were. Uh, dad really didn't engage with me unless he was drunk. It's sad to say, mm. but um, he was a very quiet man, a really hard worker. Uh, I I always say that I got my work ethic from him because I realize now, looking back, that. When I would see him on the way out to work, grab a beer and take it with him along with his lunch, I know now that it was to cure or try and cure a hangover. Uh, But, you know, I would never approach my dad. I I just would feel the way I grew up that that was disrespectful. Isn't that funny? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like just just even talk, just to talk to him about a grown, grown up thing is not our place, right? Right. And I would have never, I don't think back then I would have done it, you know? Um, yeah. So I wish that I would have had more time with him. I wish that I would have been sober and had him to mm. talk to him, you know, about mm. everything that I've learned <laughs> through really, strife, through you. So it's really interesting because when I relapsed, when uh, I split up with Debbie, my first wife, and I, I then, um, met and fell in love with Liza. Uh, I, I relapsed for about a month, and it was actually my son, who was ten at the time. Who uh, we was in a restaurant, and I ordered a bottle of wine, and he said, "What are you doing?" I thought you said alcohol had no value, and it was him, my little kid, really confronting me and saying, "Hey, come on, Dad, what are you doing?" Which allowed me to. Um, to stop and then, you know, go on, go on a run over 10 years. So whilst I understand how, how, how upbringing, I was the same. I I don't think I would have spoken to my father about that. That there is the opportunity for children to be really stark and honest with you. And and for that to actually make a difference, do you think? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's why I think that it was so hard for me when I was doing the, um, I think then it was called the truth about alcohol. Mm. Um, it was so hard for me to talk about things because I grew up that way. Like we never talked about hard things. We just didn't, you know, yeah. so it was a whole learning uh, process for me while doing the assignments, having an opportunity to uh, to share uh, truthfully uh, what happened back then and where I was at now, if that makes sense, you know? So, yeah. yeah. 
And I, and I want to touch upon that because I think it's a really important point. But just just before I do, this whole thing about when you, you said that um, one, one of the only times your father would speak to you actually or show you any attention was when he had a drink, it, it reminded me in a nostalgic way of, there are, look, there are people who grow up where they – they, they're terrified and they don't want to be anywhere near adults when they've had a drink because they can become violent and aggressive and, and rude and all mm-hmm. these below the line behaviors. But there's also this aspect where children are almost privy to almost like a, a social media biased viewpoint of uh, alcohol. So they see uncles and aunts and mums and dads and they have a drink and all of a sudden they're a little bit looser with their money belts. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can get away with more. They get more attention and more love and more hugs maybe. Um, and 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 that that can be uh, to the detriment of the youngster growing up because in, it, they could want their parents to actually drink because they're getting value out of it. Yes. <laughs> it's That's a good point. Yeah. Um, I found um, that it, it was it broke my heart uh, when I was little. And I found that um, because I didn't always live with my dad. That's another thing that I learned years later. I used to say that my dad raised me and reality. He didn't raise me. It was his mom and aunt, mm-hmm. you know, my grandmother and aunt that raised us. So growing up, we I was lived you know, like with my grandmother, with my aunt, with my brother, with my sister. Um, but um, yeah, so uh, I'm losing my train of thought. When I lived with my aunt and I was in elementary school, my dad would come uh, knocking on my aunt's door like at one or two o'clock in the morning, whenever the bar closed and he would be calling my name, you know, like, you know, Anna, Anna. And, um, and I would wake up and hear him. And it just I remember being little and it would just break my heart to 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 know that he was drunk and that he was calling on me. And I would get up and uh, my aunt would already be sitting on the couch and she would go, you know, like go back to bed. And I would just say, please let him in. Please let him in. You know, and so she would and she would sober him up with coffee and breakfast. But before that, he would just weep he would just cry and cry and, and uh, he was so stuck on what had happened in, you know, my mom um, leaving him with us five children. And uh, he was so stuck on that. And it wasn't until years later that I realized, you know, my dad never had the opportunity to work through his, through his, you know, reasons of drinking, you know what I mean? So um, it wasn't until years later that I realized my poor dad, you know, now I understand, uh, uh, you know, why uh, one of the reasons that he drank so much or whatever, but uh, yeah, it used to break my heart. And you're right back to what you were saying when we would get family, when we would have family get togethers and the adults would all start drinking, they actually engaged with us and it was fun for us. You know, it was Mm -hmm. fun because we would play games. We would, you know, I never did. I think, oh, they're doing it because they're buzzed. You know, I just thought, oh, great. You know, (laughs) <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. uh, it's sad. <laughs> it, it's, it's. I mean, it. It, it is. Uh, it, it again. It's. Uh, it affects 
people differently because mm-hmm. it's yeah. the way it's the way that we're thinking about it. So when I I went for Christmas dinner this year because the girls Liza and Zia are in LA and I wasn't able to go over there with them. So I had Christmas dinner with my um, my parents and my my two sisters and my niece. And everyone except for my niece was pretty slammed very early, you know. And and Liza says to me, "What was it like then?" And I said, "Actually, you and Zia would have really enjoyed it because everybody's slammed, everybody's out of it, and everybody's just dancing and having a quote unquote good time. And and, and Zia, if she just wants to dance, normally the adults won't dance, but now they're dancing. Um, yeah, that's great, right? But for me." Uh, who who wants uh, to be who wants to have conversation and wants to have connection um mm-hmm. as well as dancing and having a lot that's not kind of kind of what I want you know what I mean so um and and you know the the point about your father coming around um and alcohol being a outlet for him for him to express and release some emotion. I just want to touch upon that a moment because I think it's really important. Um, Jude, my son, recently came back from Amsterdam and uh, he said to me, before the trip to Amsterdam, honestly, in my mind, you were like the greatest dad ever, right? Like you could do no wrong. Everybody was telling me the, the best dad ever, except for his mom and and and, uh, and everybody in that contest. But his friends, like, oh, I wish my dad was like yours. But then he said, I went to Amsterdam and I and I had a good time over there. And I and I realized after talking to my friends that you actually haven't been present in my life as much as I want you to because of divorce. And and I'm very angry about that. Mm-hmm. And, and and I don't want to talk about that. Now, that's great, but the problem was he he was drunk. Mm-hmm. And and it, it needed him to be drunk to have that conversation. To which somebody who I was talking to said to me, well, doesn't that make it a good thing then that alcohol allows him to do that? So let's just cover that a little bit a second, right? I don't think it does. And I I think it's a red herring and I think it's part of the illusion. And I think it's one of the reasons that allows people to continue to drink alcohol. If people use alcohol as a way to access their emotions, Mm -hmm. they are not building up or they're not, they're not allowing their innate wisdom, um, their self, to do what comes naturally, and that is to be a human being and to express emotion. And it's something beautiful in being able to share the full broad of emotions, hatred, jealousy, happiness, joy, uh, embarrassment, humiliation, shame, with somebody you love and to have that trust. And freedom. There's something beautifully human about that. And... Mm-hmm. If you're if you're not able to do that, you're missing out on something incredible that you only get one opportunity to like get into on this planet. Number one, and number right. two, if you do use alcohol as an outlet to get into those emotions, well, now you're not in control. Yeah. <laughs> alcohol is in control, and and right. the likelihood of that descending into anarchy is pretty pretty great right so Mm -hmm. for those of you out there that are thinking yeah boom alcohol's great for us to like lower uh remove our inhibitions and to have really deep conversations that's not really how it works do do you want to say or share your history of that yeah um 
I used to do that exact same thing, uh, Lee. And I think it was because I had so much fear of speaking truth. And uh, so I would use it as a tool to give me courage to share my heart. And um, and it, I can remember times trying to do that. And the following morning, something would click like, oh, yeah, I talked about that, but I really didn't remember the full story. I mean, I was all over the place. And um, and so it's sad. And so, no, I would not advise that. In fact, uh, my husband, Steve, still drinks. And um, I learned early on as I was getting sober not to have conversations with him once he starts drinking because he doesn't remember the next morning. I And, and I learned that while getting sober. I thought that's why whenever we would have conversations and we were both drinking the following morning, I would want to bring it up. And he would, I mean, to him, it was like, we didn't have that conversation (laughs) and it would blow my mind, but I didn't know that it was the alcohol, you know, it was the alcohol that, that just distorts truth. It distorts what you really want to say. It kind of takes over and it's, you get nowhere. (laughs) Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, it's it's like when COVID happened and and people said that alcohol brought them together. It it, oh. it does it doesn't it it disconnects you like it, it disconnects. it's the the fear of being alone in a house with your mm-hmm. partner and having to speak the truth as you said is like mm-hmm. it's too much mm-hmm. for some people. So they actually drink alcohol to disconnect. It's not it doesn't connect you. I mean, from a very rational and logical perspective, if you just put two people in a room and just keep drinking, you're just going to go further apart, right? Like, and mm-hmm. and it's it's a massive interruption in the cycle of a healthy developing a healthy attachment styles and relationship, and and coming from a really secure place. Because if you can't sit down and speak the truth to be able to express your needs and what you want in a relationship. And so the other person understand, like it's going to be really, really difficult to, to have a relationship. So um, yeah, bang on. Can I ask Um, you, can I ask you a question? So um, how did that conversation in with Jude, um, did you talk to him the next day about, um, you know, about it? Like, yeah. So um, it, the conversation itself was very difficult. I would say for mm-hmm. the first part of the conversation, I was very mindful. I was very above the line, as we say in Strive. Self was um, in control. And then as the conversation went on and I felt he was repeating himself a little bit too much and I started to become defensive and my inner child mm-hmm. came out and I went below the line and then we started shouting at each other a little bit and I was I started to try to impress my power over him as a as a parent um mm-hmm. and i was fully aware of that so the next day and it is really interesting the first thing that happens the next day is jude calls me up and says i'm sorry about last night and i said to him look the only thing that the only part of that apology that i will accept is getting drunk and turning up on my doorstep wanting to have that conversation don't ever apologize for having that conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Sober conversation like that all day long. Come on, you know, let's have them. Um, but there was there was something that we had to put right in as much as he felt that he was um, 
betraying me by speaking the truth that me falling in love with somebody else and having my life, which then takes him me further away from him, um, was hurtful to him and that, that, that I hurt him. And he, he felt that it was, it was, he wasn't allowed to say that. So afterwards we had conversation around that and we continue to have conversations around him really expressing um, his truth. But it's really difficult when you're divorced and you don't spend that daily, uh, that, that amount of time that you have with your children Right. You don't have the time to be a dad. And a lot of the times I found with Jude, my time with Jude, he didn't want those conversations when he was younger, for example. And even now it's kind of like, dad, yet we can talk about this or we could just go play snooker and have a laugh. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas I, I think when you're not divorced and you're, you'll live with your children, there's more opportunity to say, okay, uh, let's talk about this a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. There, there seems to be time pressure on the divorced parent. So if anyone's listening yeah. to this who, who've had to share, quote-unquote, share their children, they'll understand what I'm talking about. But yeah, I've always prided my son, myself um, having open conversations with my kids, you know? Yeah. My son came to visit once, and this is when I was still drinking, and uh, he wanted to take me to uh, one of his favorite bars here in Tulsa. And so I said, sure, we can go. And so uh, he picked me up and we went and um, he wanted to have a hard conversation with me. And I just I just would not go there with him, yeah. you know, I, and, and because we were both drinking and, and it was our first drink. It's, it wasn't like we were drunk or anything, you know. First of all, I was having a hard time being at a bar drinking with him. And because we had never done that. And um, so I was, you know, trying to process that. And then he started bringing stuff up. And um, I just finally had to say, Ryan, why don't we have this conversation when we're not uh, not over a drink? Let's have this conversation, you know, when when we're both sober and he's never brought it up again. (laughs) (laughs) This last visit, this last visit. I asked him uh, if there was anything that he wanted to talk about with me. And he said, what do you mean? I said, just anything, just anything. It can be an easy or hard conversation, anything that you want to know about me or, you know, just anything. And he was like, no. (laughs) So I was like, okay, you know, so, Mm. uh, but yeah, I've I've been there with my son where um, he wanted to do that over a drink and, I thank God, you know, I mean, I, I was still drinking that I, I just knew better not to go there with it, you know. So. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's yeah. difficult when that happens because once once someone's in their train of thought, right, I'm going to have this conversation and it's like, okay, let's not have it. <laughs> it's really difficult <laughs> to, to rest control away from that yeah. part of your personality that wants to have that conversation. Yes. Uh-huh. Absolutely, yeah. So when when did you go from being a you know, like everybody in Tulsa, Oklahoma, pretty much like everybody in Cardiff where I am at the moment, where everybody just goes out and drinks and that's what everybody's doing. How do you go uh, then from someone who s- looks in the mirror one day and says, actually, I-, I think I need to address this or to stop or to like, what were your thoughts around it when you went from mm-hmm. being um, unconscious to conscious ar- around alcohol? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So what was going on with me, Lee, right before I, I uh, joined Strive, um, I was having a battle. I mean, like a, a, a real mental battle with drinking or not drinking. I wanted to stop drinking, but I didn't know how. Mm. And um, so it had been years that the struggle was going on. And um, and I think a lot of us go through that. We just don't voice it. We just don't don't have somebody to talk to about it, you know, or have the support that we need. Uh, so it had been years of this buildup. And um, I was having blackouts just like every pretty much every night because I did all my drinking at home with my husband. And so God started to talk to me about that, you know, like giving me uh, little warnings, you know, like you've got to, this isn't good. You got to start addressing this, you know, for my health. And so it was a, it was a buildup, but I remember my grandson, Daniel uh, was 16 and, um, he it was the first time that we discovered that he was really uh, struggling with um, suicidal thoughts, depression, all this stuff. So he was uh, admitted in a mental hospital for a week. And so I reached out to my son and, and told him what was going on. And he said, I want to come into town to see Daniel uh, while he's there. And I said, oh, that would be great. You know, so he came and uh, I remember asking him, uh, what would you like? for dinner. So I can, you know, I always like to cook what he likes. And so can't remember, but he told me. And so I got home from work and I started, you know, preparing dinner. And then he texts me and he said, Hey mom, I'm going to go straight to the hospital to see Daniel because they, you know, visitation is up at eight or something like that. He said, and then I'll come home. I said, okay. I always drank when I cooked, you know, from the time I got home, I started drinking. And so I remember him getting home. I remember me serving him food. And, uh, and then I remember sitting on the couch in the living room and him coming to sit next to me. And he said, you're drunk already, aren't you, mom? And I said, no, you know, of course, you know, doing the typical Mm -hmm. denial thing, like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Well, the next morning I get up and that's all I could remember doing. And it devastated me. You know, it just, Mm -hmm. it just heaps all this uh, shame on you, you know, and it wasn't so much shame. It was like, I felt so bad that he had made a trip, you know, to mm-hmm. visit his nephew who's struggling. And then, uh, you know, and so those were two things that, that happened that, you know, one, that it was like shortly after Ryan left, I just decided, and I cried out to God and I said, Lord, you, you have got to help me. I don't want to drink anymore. And mm-hmm. so I didn't, I would, I did good the first day. I did good the second day, the third day I knew I was going to drink because that's what I would do. If I had a real bad drinking night to where the next morning I remembered absolutely nothing and I felt physically sick, I would bow to myself. No more. This is it. Mm-hmm. And it would take a day or two for me to feel better. And then I thought I could do it a better way. You know, mm-hmm. I could be better. I could be smarter. I could outsmart alcohol in that silly. Yeah. But I would. I would think of all these different ways of drinking. And um, so the third day I, I was at work and I knew I was going to drink. I, I just knew, you know, <laughs> and because it was there, the urge was there. And I came home and um, I made it through the day. And that night, you know, I just started um, 
you know, I always talk to God having this conversation, like, you know, something, something's got to, something's got to, I got to have something <laughs> or I'm going to drink, you know? So I started Googling, it was late at night, you know, like, um, about addiction. Of course, I didn't think I was addicted. I just thought mm. I need help. I just need help. And so it kept taking me to rehabs or AA. And I kept saying, no, I don't want to do AA and I'm not bad enough to go to rehab, you know? So finally, in my frustration, I thought, I wonder if anybody, uh, blogs about alcoholism. So when I entered that, uh, this site came up about the 20 best blogs about alcoholism. And so I kind of read, it would have a name and it would tell a little bit about the person. And um, you should be on that list because you weren't on that list. But Laura <laughs> McCollum was. And I liked her little, it was just a little short, you know, a little bit about them. And I liked what she had to say. And I thought, okay, let me go, let me research her. And when I went to her website, I couldn't like talk to anyone. I needed a talk like then. And that's mm -hmm. what I like about Strive is that we have, you give us that platform where we can just, you know, talk if we have the courage to. Uh, but I needed to talk to somebody. And so I thought, okay, well, maybe I'll go to YouTube and see if she's on there and I can, um, you know, just get a little bit more information on her. And you were interviewing her. This thing uh -huh. popped up, Lee Davis interviewing Laura McCowan. And um, and when you so I thought, OK, let me let me watch this, you know. So uh, I loved your introduction. You said, hi, my name is Lee Davy. I'm not an alcoholic and I refuse to be anonymous. And I just chuckled and I thought, who is this guy? You know, so I started listening to your interview with Laura and I didn't even finish it because then I started researching you to see what you were all about. And then I saw that you had a platform where I could actually go on and talk to somebody. And I went on there and I don't know how long it took me to type something out because I was so afraid that some, this is so crazy, but I didn't want nobody to know who I was. And I really didn't want to know people to know that I needed help. But yet here I was, you know, mm. so I finally type a little something in there. Hi, my name's Anna. And I'm just here because I need help with blackouts. I think that's what I said. And a couple, and, and then I shut it down and I closed it and I put it away and I thought, okay, that's over with. And the next morning I get up and I went back to it and a couple of people had responded. And that was my start, my hope. It gave me so much hope. So I hope that you always keep that flat platform openly where people, you know, can go on there and just, uh, because you never know there's so, you know what I mean? Somebody mm. like me, can be which I know there's people needing help and, and wanting just, you know, just to talk to somebody and they have no one. So, but anyway, that was the start of it. And so I just kind of started uh, communicating with, um, uh, different people on there. Um, and I thought it was crazy. I really felt like <laughs> this is really nuts, but uh, it's, it, it's given me something that I need. So I'm going to keep going. And I remember I was um, having a, you know, I was just having all these um, emotions and, and irritability and, and I uh, didn't know what to do with myself when I got home. And a lot of times I didn't want to come home after work because, I, you know, I didn't want to drink. And so I remember just hopping on there and, and saying, I'm really struggling today because um, 
this is what's happening, you know. So I can't remember what I shared, but Marlene, I think was her name, said, um, Anna, I think it would really benefit you to do the uh, the Truth About Alcohol course. And you had already reached out to me about doing it. And at the time I wasn't ready. And so I just said, you know, it's not in my budget, you know, right now, but thank you for offering. And then when she said, I think, you know, what you're dealing with is white space, all that Mm -hmm. time that you spent drinking, you need to fill that time with something else. And, and that's what, what's happening. And it made perfect sense. And I, reached out to you. And, uh, but when you offered it, I said, no, it's not in my budget. And you said, oh, that's okay. I got people who sponsor. And I thought, oh gosh, you know, <laughs> I can't I thought, get out of it. <laughs> yes. But I don't remember what I said to you to, to just kind of, you know, like, no, I'm not, you know, I should have just said, I'm not ready, but you know, you're so afraid to, to say or do anything when you're in the throes of, you know, drinking or not drinking. And so, so I reached out to you and I said, you know, do the course, but um, I don't want to take sponsor money. If you'll work with me, let me pay it in payments, you know, which you gladly did. And um, so that was long story short. That's Mm -hmm. how I ended up on Strive. And that's so it was years of me battling mentally with this um, stronghold that alcohol had over my life. You know, it was it didn't just happen overnight. I was already, you know vowing, breaking vows, you know, to myself, not to Mm. anybody else, but just to myself, you know, like, oh, I'm not going to drink anymore. I know it's making me sick. I know it's, you know, and then, um, but yeah. And so doing the course, uh, it was called the truth about alcohol then was a lifesaver. It um, gave me something to do. And little did I know that I was going to learn life skills. You know, I was going to learn so much more than just not drinking. I, you know, I had no idea. And, Mm. um, and some of the assignments were hard. I'm not going to lie. They, you don't know how many times I would just like, it it would bring me to tears because it it would make me take a look inside me. And Mm. I didn't like what I saw so many times. And then I remember just feeling so much regret, you know, like, oh, I've wasted so much time, you know. Um, And so, yeah, so I would, sometimes I would read the assignment and I would just walk away and say, nope, not not doing that right now, you know. (laughs) And then I would go back to it. And then I, I would do it, you know. But one thing that I told myself, and this is a little piece of advice that I would share with anyone trying to, quit drinking is to be honest. I remember make when I decided to do the truth about alcohol, I had a conversation with the Lord and I said, Father, just help me to be honest because I knew that if I wasn't honest, this would not work. I had to go into this being honest about everything. <laughs> and that's where um, I made that, that decision, that commitment, and I honored it. And I believe that's what... Um, because wasn't there like nine of us starting that course? There was, you happened to be my coach because Lori and um, Nikki were coaches as well. But it was, I, for some reason, we were your group. And I think there was like eight or nine of us. And um, it, it was all new to me. So I didn't know who was where, you know. And, <laughs> and then at the end, when you said, 
Anna, you're the only one who have finished the course. Congratulations. I was like, what happened? <laughs> Where did everyone go? Everybody else. But I tell you what, it was because I wanted it and I went into it honestly. You know what mm. I mean? And and mm. and you titled it perfectly. I know it's changed, but the truth about alcohol, a lot of people don't know the truth about mm. alcohol. And that's what you gave me. And it gave me a whole different uh, perspective, a whole different view. Uh, it gave me understanding. And um, yeah, I embraced it. I went for it. And and then the, the, the second thing that I love that you do is that you give you give us opportunity to keep working with others, to keep encouraging others. And that really, without knowing, helped me along the way to to stay sober, you know, to be committed. And um, and 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 so don't ever stop doing that. No, <laughs> Always encourage yeah. people, yeah. you know, when they when they do break that cycle, that stronghold, encourage them to continue giving, giving back because it truly helps. And and it's an on going learning experience. I learn something every day from everyone on there. You know, it's just, I love it. I love it. I really do. If you're thinking that there's more to life than this, then good. You're waking up. Now, one of the most critical steps when choosing to up-level your life is to find a tribe who sees and hears you because feeling like you matter is so important. Strivers are a community of people united in the common goal of becoming people who don't drink alcohol and living a self-led life. So if you crave freedom, compassion and peace, Strive is for you. And you can join our amazing community for free. All you have to do is email method at gmail.com and we'll get you signed up. Well, Anna, that was um, that truth about our, you joined Strive. Actually, we're talking, we're talking over five years ago. Um, so I'm going so for, on five years. Yeah. Yeah. Without having a drink. So, yeah. I mean, so for people listening, what, what keeps you, what keeps you in strife for five years? <laughs> you know, Cause if you stopped drinking doing the course mm-hmm. five years ago, what, why, why are you still there? I'm still there because it gives back to me, uh, you know, I'm there giving encouragement, but in reality, it's giving back to me. And it, uh, and just like I said, I learned like Susie, you know, she is such a power. I have seen her journey from day one, you know, and sometimes it just, you know, at times it just seems so hopeless, but man, she has stuck through and mm-hmm. look where she's at now. Yeah. It's just it's just like, and that just encourages me and it makes me say, yes, sobriety is the way to go mm-hmm. in life. It, it's just, man, it, I know there's a lot of other people who've been addicted to alcohol and maybe other drugs or whatever, but when they make it to the other side, it just, it, you can't help but look back and just be so grateful for everybody that God used in your life. Like, you know, he used you in my life. In fact, I just shared with a friend yesterday that I hadn't heard from in four years. And, um, 
And I was telling her a lot has happened since we last talked. I said in 2018, I decided to get sober. And then I told her like last year how how I rededicated my life to God. And so I was just sharing this with her. And I said, actually, if you ever have time, it's a great testimony. I'd love to share it with you how God used a guy in the in Carter, <laughs> UK to help me get sober. I said, it's mm crazy. And she said, you know, of course, that she would love to hear it. Uh, for sake of time, we have, we both were busy yesterday, but we were texting. And um, But to answer your question, that's why I continue giving up myself, because in reality, strife gives back to me. And it helps me, you know, it's not, there's not just drive, you know, I have a life at work, I have a life with my family. And I'm learning continually from, from Susie, from Tony, from everybody on there, you know, and it's, uh, um, because I'm over here, and, and, you know, they're, they're almost there. But I've got friends and family that are addicted, you know, and I can relate, I can, um, help them you know i can give them something and so yeah that's why i mean so I, I, <laughs> I i think that you know so so many times in the past especially when you was doing the work we would um we would talk a lot about your your um your frustrations and your battles at work like so mm. and and to be able to in, in, like it's something i've been thinking about a lot today you know is a lot of the sobriety industry focuses on getting people sober, right? There's, mm-hmm. there's, there's an instant gratification feel to it. Like we're going to run a 30 day course and you're not going to drink for 30 days or mm-hmm. dry January, all this type of stuff. And I'm like, well, why is that? And, and, and the reason that it is, is it's a lot easier to sell that. I'm going to help mm-hmm. you stop drinking versus I'm going to help you um, live consciously, but to do that more often, we're really going to have to go in the shadow. You're really going to have to be truthful. You're going to be honest. You're not going to mm-hmm. be able to run away from your life. You're going to have to be vulnerable. People don't want that that sell, right? Like right. It, right. It, it's it's really it's really difficult, and it's such a shame because if you can if you can come into a place like Strive that doesn't have the goal to help you cut alcohol, but has the goal to help you live more consciously. Yes. without drinking alcohol then yes. all of a sudden you take what you learn in strive and you find yourself at the counter with a with a customer who's losing mm-hmm. their shit and mm-hmm. you're thinking oh what is it that we learned here in the strive method mm-hmm. about communicating with people and about yes. having compassion yes. and instead of applying it to alcohol you're applying it to your working life right Yes, absolutely. And that's what, remember when I said that I didn't know I was going to learn life skills? You gave me that. You Mm. gave me that. Um, And so every day that I go into work, it's like, uh, it's, it's, it's exciting (laughs) because it it really is. Um, But when, you know, because a lot of times when you provide customer service, you know, nothing about what that person walking in is carrying. You don't know what they're carrying, their burdens, their illnesses, their frustrations or whatever, you know. And um, so, you know, when for the most part, most of our customers are really super nice. Uh, We have longtime customers that I've built a relationship with and everything. I've actually had opportunity to share strive with them. And I do, you know, if something comes up, 
you know, I share strive, I share, you know, my testimony, but uh, back to customers, it's, um, I know how not to let what they're carrying get on me. I, I turn it around and um, see, you know, how can I help you? Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and once you, you go, once they know, realize that, oh, she's not, you know what I mean? She, she actually cares. You know what I mean? It's not just me coming in here and buying something, you know, she can detect or feel that there's something else going on. And this doesn't happen all the time, but I've had had those opportunities where uh, once they, they know their guard drops and, and it's like, Oh, I can, I can, I can share, you know what I mean? I can, and they do, you know, and I just, you know, um, comfort them the best way that I can or, or give them a little bit of tidbit of wisdom, what has helped me and all that. But yes, Lee, I'm so sorry. I used to come on strife and just bit like, you know, this customer, oh, you know, it was always about them. It was never about me, you know. Yeah, but, yeah, wow. it was. Yeah. yeah, you wanted, you wanted to check, you wanted to. Ch- I always remember you, you wanted to change them. It's like, why aren't these yeah. people behaving yeah. like this or behaving <laughs> like that? And and what I'm always, what I'm always trying to, I'm trying to guide people on stride to their inner wisdom to to constantly ask the question, how do I want to show up in life? Not, mm-hmm. not, not like. I don't want to. Sh- I don't want to teach people to show up differently with their husband to their kids and to their people they meet at work. I want them to say, "No, I'm going to show up with courage, with confidence, with clarity, with compassion, mm-hmm. with every single person I meet until they give me a reason to do otherwise." And even then, I'm going to approach it from a, a point of grace, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. and I love I love how that comes out of you. I mean. One of, one of your strengths on Strive is your empathy in the written form. Like how, 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 where did that come from? You're, you're so, you're so compassionate and so empathetic, but you're able to put it out there in a, in, in text in such a beautiful way. Did, did you practice that? Is that journaling and where's it come no, from? No, no, um, honestly, I've always had a, a, I've always been a very compassionate person. And I think even from the time I was little, you know, but life gives you some hard knocks and it hardens your heart. Right. And, uh, but still, even then I could, it's just something that God instilled in me, you know, a heart of compassion and empathy, but, um, in written form, it's easy. It just flows. I don't know. It just flows. And I know now that it it has a lot to do with my constant communication with God. You know, the more of the more of him uh, and less of me. So a lot of the times, Lee, it's like him just speaking through me, you know, and um, I don't know how else to explain it other than that, you know, but the compassion has always been there. But I'm constantly communing with the Lord and um, he's always you know, uh, searching. He's always looking for that heart, you know, that's open to him. So back to your question, a lot of the times it's just him flowing through me and he's so wise, isn't he? He's wise. (laughs) He is really wise. It is him. It is nothing of me. I'm just a vessel. And, uh, but I'm always, you know, sensitive to, 
to how I'm going to answer somebody because the last thing that I want to do is turn somebody away, right? Mm -hmm. I always want to be able to offer something that's going to help them do things differently or see things differently, not really do, but to take the time to see things differently. And then it's up to them what they do with it. Right. So, mm. but yeah. yeah. And, and, and talk a little bit more about that, about God and your faith and how important that's been on this journey, because one of the biggest moans and groans you hear from people about AA is, Oh, it was too religious. And and I know that me and you have had conversations where you've you've been like, is is it is it is it okay for me to to, to talk about God here on Strike? Because we we don't. It's 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 um not very religious based. Mm-hmm. People mm-hmm. talk about God in very different ways um so how how has that been for you with strive and and talking about god and how important has god been in your journey well um yes first of all let me thank I, i would love to thank you because for letting me for continuing to let me be me as i have <laughs> yeah um and the one thing that i have with god is a relationship religion didn't work for me you know religion is about rules and regulations and all this and and god is about relationship and uh growing up i had religion you know i grew up uh, and not you know nothing against catholics but i grew up in a catholic uh re- religion and um you know, it was just learning prayers in my experience, little. And then I remember um, at 13, I think 12 or 13, I was beginning to rebel. And and I told my aunt, you know, why do you make me go to church when you don't go to church? And ooh, yeah, that was not a good thing to question her about. But I was in that rebellious stage, you know, and she just told me to get dressed and go to church. And then she did talk to me, though. She did. I've got to give her this. She did say, Anna, once you do your confirmation, it'll be up to you whether you want to go to church or not. And I said, OK, you know, so and I don't I can't explain to you what, you know, the confirmation was all about other than learning a bunch of prayers and then reciting them. And then it would be like, yep, OK, you're ready. And and uh, and then there would be this other um, uh, like a ceremony, you know, for everyone doing the confirmation. Um, and then I, I stopped, you know, but so and I would only go to church to a Catholic church like Christmas, Easter, you know, stuff like that. But at the age of 21, I uh, was with my son's dad. We had just married and his mom was a Christian. And I didn't know what a Christian was, honestly. But um, she had something different. That that lady had something that that was different. And I didn't understand it, but I wanted it. <laughs> it life was chaos, but she had such a peace about her such a piece. And I did not understand that. But anyway, we, we went to church with her. We told her we go to church and uh, we, I believe we had partied Saturday, so we didn't make it to church Sunday morning. So then um, my son's dad said, Anna, you know, we told mom we would go, we should really keep our word. Let's go with her tonight. And I said, okay, sure. So we went and um, 
it was a whole different experience. You know, it was um, the way they sang to God, the way they worshiped him. I didn't understand it, but I was so moved that I, I just wept. I'm like, what is this? You know, and uh, trying to hide my tears, right? Because I didn't want people to see me mm-hmm. being moved by the presence of God. But at the end, they do what they call an altar call. You know, do you want to give your heart to the Lord? And I did not know what I was doing. But so his mom came to him and she's talking to him like, you know, you're getting ready to leave your family for a year to go to Okinawa, don't you? And I just remember looking up at him and and he was like, just he was just looking straight and he was doing this to his mom, like, mom, no, leave me alone. You know, like, leave me alone. So she comes around to my side and she goes, hey, would you like to? And I said, yes. And she, she I think I shocked her. Mm-hmm. I shocked myself, you know. And so she told uh, Zeke, you know, you, you should go with your wife, you know, just go up there with her. And so he did. We walked down there and, you know, we went through the process of, um, you know, they do. Now I know you don't have to do this, you know, to receive the Lord, have a relationship. It, it, you don't have to do this. But I, I did it. You know, they led me through this prayer of repentance and and giving my heart to him. And uh, it was crazy because all these people are around me so happy, so happy for me. And I did not know what was going on. You know, I didn't know what I had gotten myself into. I was just like, okay, this is a little too much, but okay. Well, the Zeke left to go to Okinawa for a year. He was uh, in the Marine Corps and I was staying with his family, with his parents. And um, I... From that day, I had so many questions, Lee. It was unbelievable. It was just all these questions. And and so she invited me to go to church again. And I said, yes, I would love to go. So we went and they had a guest speaker. And I kid you not, every question that was floating in my head, he touched on in in his message. And I was just like, I was flabbergasted, you know, but I, all I did was cry the whole time. After the service, my mother, ex-mother-in-law said, I need to go get the kids from the nursery. And I said, okay, I'll be there in a minute. And I stayed to talk to this guy. Mm-hmm. And the whole time I'm thinking, this is crazy. This is crazy. This is crazy. He's going to think I'm nuts. Anyway, he was talking to two little ladies and I was getting ready to walk away. And he, he went like this to me, like, hold on. And so he um, said his goodbyes to the little old ladies. And then he came to me and I, I was just crying. And I said, you know, last Sunday I was here and I went up there and I gave my heart to God and I have all these questions and you touched on every one of them. And I don't know what I'm doing or what's happening, but, you know, and he just, he just was so, he just listened to me and he took my hand and he said, it's going to be okay. He said, what did you think that when you went up there and you gave your heart to the Lord, that fireworks were going to go off and all this? And I, said, <laughs> no, I don't know what to think, you know? And so that was my journey. Lee. And what I, the thing that happened that I noticed here, my husband is gone, leaves me with his family that I do not know. I have two little girls, Sandy and Rebecca were four and five. And, um, um, I had a whole year to just grow in the Lord that whole year. I mean, I would make every prayer meeting, every class taught anything. I was so hungry for the truth. Mm. You know, I was so hungry. Finally, something real 
you know, something that was real to me because I experienced it. But the thing that happened, I noticed the next day that I, I didn't want to smoke cigarettes. I was smoking cigarettes. Mm-hmm. I, I had no desire. All of a sudden I thought, oh, okay, you know, this is good. And then I had no desire to drink. I had no desire to do drugs. At the time, I was still doing drugs. Um, had no desire to do none of that. You know, and that's what I mean by I experienced him. He just mm-hmm. like just took all all that awfulness, uh, des- desires away. And and so I was sober. I was sober mm-hmm. for a good uh, eight, eight years, I think, until my marriage started falling apart. And I wasn't I didn't have the what I have now in God. I didn't have the understanding about him to keep me all of a sudden I just went back to everything that he had delivered me from I just embraced it all over again I was bitter I was hurt I was angry I was everything that you know that I used to be and Mm. so I just went full force and started living a very self-destructive life you know and my daughters now I had a little boy you know and they suffered the consequence you know but this is how good God is after all that, I have an awesome relationship with my kids. We can have conversations now about all that awfulness, you know, mm-hmm. and um, and they love me and I love them. And um, I just uh, that's God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, that's him. That's him. He restored uh, my relationship with my kids, uh, you know, just. But what happened when I, I know I'm all over the place, but um, when I rededicated my life to the Lord, I thought I was okay. I really thought I was okay with him. But again, he just is doing that born again thing with me all over again. And um, this time I'm much older and much wiser. And, um, and, and I'm here to stay. I am here to stay (laughs) three times. I left him. I walked away from him. I turned my back on him and I told him so. I told him, you know, I don't want nothing to do with you. You know, I blamed him for everything when in reality, all he's trying to do is to rescue me mm. from all that the world offers me. You know, what the world offers me is temporal. It's it's uh, so short, you know, mm. just like quitting alcohol, <laughs> you know, it's, it, you know, the, the, um, the satisfaction from drinking is so short lived and then we have to pay the price for doing it, you know? Um, so yeah. So when, when I rededicated, rededicated my life, I thought I cannot be on strive anymore. Mm. I really thought I couldn't because, um, it, it, I didn't want to interfere with, with your work. And um, and I also uh, it was not going to leave God out. I knew that because he is such a big part of my life now, um, day and night. You know, he's 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 it mm. for me. And so I didn't know how I was going to navigate that. And so I didn't want to tell you. So you're hearing it now for the first time. I didn't know how to have that conversation with you, but I prayed about it. And when you asked me to come back, I prayed even more and I asked the Lord, you know, I'm not willing to leave you out of anything because you have done so much for me. And I know where I'm at in you now. I know my identity in you and I am not going to, you're not going to take the back seat anymore. And so I didn't know how to tell you this. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So 
when he asked me to come back, yeah, I did pray even more. And I just thought, okay, Lord, if this is just an opportunity to continue helping people. And if you open the door to talk about you, I'll talk about you, you know, and that's what, what I actually am doing. <laughs> you know mm. what I mean? Um, you know, if people ask something I share and, uh, and I know that I'm sharing, uh, I'm just sharing my life with him. That's what I'm doing. I'm not trying to, you know, convert or change or whatever <laughs> i'm just right i mean do you see yeah. that in me I'm, yeah, yeah i hope yeah. That that's what you see i'm just trying to to be honest with my relationship with him every day that's, what that's i it. what i what i see going back to something you said earlier on about maureen maureen reaching out to you and saying hey take this truth about alcohol course which is now called the strike method because you need to fill that white space up you know, when I, um, and I've known you for a long time now, um, but your your new relationship with God, it, for me, it's it's all about connection and relationship. Mm -hmm. And when I read your wins, so for people listening, you know, we like to share our wins on a daily basis. I scrutinize those who have fine tooth comb. I'm looking at everybody's wins to see what the patterns are. Um and yours is 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 connection, you know. Like you 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 have this great connection and relationship with God. You have this great connection and relationship with your husband, with your customers, with your children, and your wins are always spending time with those people or reaching out to other people who have been in your life and reconnecting with them. So if you're ever listening to this and you're thinking to yourself, you know, what do I do? A lot of people say, what am I going to do if I stop drinking? I'll be so bored. Well, actually, mm -hmm. just just look at look around you with the people who you're not you're spending time with, but you're not really there. And then mm -hmm. try to be really there, and you'll find the joy that comes out of that. So, I mm -hmm. I love it. I I I love the fact that people can learn from you, and you can inspire people to um, look at God in a different way everybody mm -hmm. in strive i think looks at god in a very different way lies at the moment is going going back to church with zia and she wants to buy a bible she's rediscovering a relationship that she last had when she was a child you know um, wow that's awesome and yeah and it's, it's 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 beautiful because there's something humble about it as well like i Oh, I haven't yes. got I haven't got all the answers. Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> But Lee, I want to say this about you. You have grown so much. You're right. We have known each other what going on five years now. Mm. And your growth as Lee Davy, you have grown so much. And I always thought how, you know, if if ever if ever, <laughs> that you would be such a powerhouse for God, because you have uh, you have grown in your compassion, in your wisdom. Uh, you have just grown, period. Mm. That's all I want to say. You've grown and I appreciate it. We're kind of like growing together. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, all thanks, of us are. thanks all for of recognizing us are. that. Yeah, I do. I do. I do have a conversation with God every night before I go to bed. You know, I say my gratitude yeah. and my appreciation. I just haven't worked out who I'm speaking to yet, you know, yeah. and, and I'm okay yeah. with that. I, I don't, I don't, yeah. I feel comfortable. It will, it will, yeah. I feel comfortable. Happen, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, I feel comfortable not knowing. What, what One of the things that I'm taking from you, even just during, through this conversation that, that came for me is um, – you are almost, and I got this from reading uh, Conversations with God and my interview with Neil Donald Walsh as well, is you are you are a mouthpiece for God, right? So you're kind of almost like channeling his message to people um, and you're there to to serve. Sometimes, sometimes I can be a little selfish in what I want. I want things from God, so I, I, I find myself mm-hmm. asking um, for the answers, or if, if not the answers, to give me the lessons or to give me the experiences I need in order to succeed, which is still a little bit give, give me, give me, like mm-hmm. he's serving me. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think I've fully got into that power of allowing myself to allow God, spirit, universe to come through me and for mm-hmm. me to use my skills and my experience to expand that to the universe. Like like some some great leader, I'm thinking like Preston Smiles in my Elementum coaching group is great at allowing God to speak through him and to impact mm-hmm. people. So mm-hmm. maybe, I, maybe I'm keeping myself a little bit small, but I think as I get older and wiser, the, you know, that might change for sure. You know, it will come. It will come. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. He likes to take the, 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 the unlearned, the, un, you know, people, somebody like me, you know, and there's so many others. He likes to take, to take us and just, you know, just to remake us, just redo us. Well, you're a, you're a leader, Anna. I mean, this is one of the things I love about Stride is when I see the leader in a Striver and they haven't seen it for themselves yet, it's like I it's, I feel like it's so such a nice, wonderful feeling to witness Anna is such a leader. Now I need to, A, give her the platform to be a leader, and B, I need to help her to find that wisdom within her that, that knows she's a leader and then just let, let her loose. You know, I remember yeah. me saying to you in the past, I want you to run and lead these groups with me. And you're like, I, I don't know if I'm ready yet. I'm like, no, you are. You are. Trust me. Just get in there and do it. You'll be okay. Yeah. You know, and, and, and look at you now, you know. So. That, that alone, I, I was so fearful, Lee. Mm. I was just so fearful when I came into your life. I mean, I, I didn't have a voice. Uh, it was, it was in here, but it wasn't, you know, there was so much, you know, on me, um, alcohol being one of them Mm -hmm. that, um, you know, that, that wouldn't allow me to emerge my true, you know, self, um, even, even, you know, in the Lord, um, and, and God has just, given me the confidence um he's given me the a voice the words you know he's given me and revived all that that he intended for me to start with you know Mm. that was that was robbed it was you know and it wasn't just alcohol it was you know trauma all these like it was on strive that i learned that what i experienced was trauma you know and i thought no wonder I struggled so much. And I see that. And in fact, I think I shared on Strive um, something new that I'm doing is I'm going to go to my 
um, I'm going to start going to a therapist mm. uh, just yeah, because yeah. I want to continue healing. There's areas in my life um, um, embedded in me that I think are okay, but then something happens and it triggers that pain, that woundedness in me. It'll trigger it. And I, I just, whoo, it just, it's like I'm a different person and it happened recently. And, um, but I was able to, you know, to, to gain control, of course, you know, communicating with God and him helping me through it. But I, I know now that there are still things and I'm all about healing. I'm all about healing myself now. You know, it's like, mm. there's no stopping me. <laughs> and yeah. so I, yeah, I'm going to, this next Monday, I'm going to go you know, go to therapy and, and uh, talk to uh, this um, lady about, you know, things that happen in my life that that I think are OK, but then something will happen and it'll trigger those emotions and that um, that woundedness in me. And I want to take care of that so that I can feel whole. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, I do. Yeah, I do. And you'll be, yeah. you'll, be, you'll be more powerful and you'll be able to touch more people. You know, when, when you said um, you were talking about that woman earlier on that was inspiration inspirational for you about going to church, like, I don't know what this woman had, but I want it. <laughs> you know, that, that tells me that this woman was healed. Like she'd done a lot of work around her healing and she was getting her approval, security and control from herself, from herself, from her wisdom, not letting ego take the reins too often, you know? So I think it's really important. And don't forget as well, Anna, you know, like, you know, we're talking about it this week. Just reach out and say, Lee, next week, there are the times I'm available for hot seat coaching and we'll make those times the times that I turn up to coach. I don't want to, I don't want to be like. Me about, can you tell me about that? What is, because yeah. uh, I've never no, attended. So, what is, yeah, you've never attended anyone. So basically um, every week, but in January, I'm going to do uh, twice a week because I, I was sick in December. Um, anybody who's a striver, um, I'm going to be there for an hour. Uh, twice a week uh, to do coaching. So I'm there and you'll come on and you'll say, hey, Lee, uh, this happened to me the other day. Uh, Steve said something. I reacted like this and I don't know why and I want to react in a different way. And then we'll go through that and we'll do coaching. Um, there are other people there. So there's that vulnerability piece, you know, that, that, that bravery and courage of speaking with other people. But there's that other side of it where, like Tony will come on, for example, and he doesn't like to be on the spotlight, but I'm sure he learns so much by seeing other people be coached. So, mm -hmm. you know, that's just there for you. So okay. use that. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Absolutely. Anna, I'm going to go. I'm going to pee myself in a minute. <laughs> but before I do, I just want to say I love you dearly. Um, thank Aww. you for your support, your wisdom. Um, it's very, it's not easy to dedicate your life to helping people to quit alcohol and live consciously when the shame and the embarrassment and the humiliation prevents them from even taking action. It's not an easy gig. Uh, and for not, you, yeah. yeah, and for you to trust me. Um, in those moments and then just become such a leader in our community um i love you uh so much and you're a friend and uh and and a leader so thank you for that oh absolutely the feeling is mutual you have done so much um uh, 
too long of a list to mention. But <laughs> you have helped me. I am where I am today because of you and what you have to offer. And then, you know, God just kind of took over, <laughs> over. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's great. Awesome. Thank, Thank you. you Lee. Thank you. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Just a few thank yous. First of all, I want to thank uh, you guys and girls for listening to this podcast and being supporters of it. Many people stop drinking alcohol just by listening to this podcast. I got a lot of people reaching out to me, thanking me for that, right? So give this to somebody as a gift today or rate and review the podcast. If you can rate and review the podcast on your local podcast player and tell somebody about it, you could change somebody's life today, okay? So thank you for listening and thank you in advice in advance for that piece of service. Also want to thank our producer, Stan. Um, Stan is still currently in the Ukraine fighting the war and producing our podcast while his family is somewhere else in the world right now, okay, apart from him. So everybody send out your prayers and your love. Stan, we love you. Thank you very much for everything you do here. For you out there, if you are starting to think about, contemplate, uh, reflect on your relationship with alcohol. You do not have to do this alone. Yes, you drink alone, but you don't have to stop alone, okay? And if alcohol is not your thing, but you are starting to feel that you actually are living a parts-led life, the ego is getting in the way too much, so you're not happy with the way life is going, then reach out to us at thestrivemethod at gmail.com. Just say, Lee, and just tell me what is on your mind, and we'll start to have that conversation. Strive community is a beautiful place where you can start to feel seen, heard, and matter. It's where you can get community, and it's where you can start practicing what we call the eight C's of self, our core values, right? Or creativity, curiosity, uh, connection, compassion, courage. Uh, I can't remember the rest of them, but there's eight of them, right? And we have our quest structure. So we have assignments, and they're really interesting, exciting. At the end of them, we say to you, come on. Do this quest, right? Get involved in this challenge. Um, and strivers are really finding it exciting. And they're working their challenges in these areas that are going to increase the amount of time they spend in self-energy in a state of flow. And that is has amazing repercussions for the relationship you grow with yourself and for how you how you reach out to others in their life, like how you parent, how you um, are as a child to your, not child, but a son or a daughter, how you are in your relationship with the person you share your bed with and how you behave with your employees, right? So reach out to me at strivemethod at gmail.com if you want to learn more. Okay, much love, everybody.